Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Erica Feinberg online. Erica, how are you? I'm great, Michael. It's so nice to be chatting with you today. I'm very excited about digging in. Likewise, likewise. You have a diverse career, and and we talked about a lot of things in the pre-show, but we did allude to you know what's going on right now with the pandemic and in leadership and business and how to be successful. And and one topic that jumped out uh, right away was innovation. So tell us a little bit about you, and then then we can dive into you know why innovation, especially at times like now, are crucial and they shouldn't be kicked to the curb. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, I, you know, I had a, an interesting upbringing. I had it really easy. Um, so I don't have any uh, fuel in particular. It had to be self-made. So the, um, you know, what I noticed during my career is I just also didn't know boundaries. My mom being a, a radio personality, um, she had some pretty big stars. I don't want to date myself, but it's like Jack Benny and um, and Sammy Davis Jr. and Jack Cassidy and, you know, all these big stars, actually Martha Stewart back then too. Um, it, you know, I got to meet all these people and Paul Newman just through this whole life. And so it also made me see, I didn't really have a sense of fear. I was a little bit just out there and would just reach for the stars all the time. And I ended up in a situation where I was actually working with um, Turner Broadcasting and Ted Turner and Scott Teisler and and then Oracle Corporation with Larry Ellison and Ray Lane and Jeff Henley and so around all these great people and looking at the market serving the market I never really liked competing with people I never liked that head to head competition thing um, and I grew up with three older brothers so I always had to figure out like I can't brutally win I've got to get I've got to get creative. Um, so I'd always look at is if everyone is working with these superstars in business and they're helping them build business units and do executive retained search and how am I going to get in there and be different to be special? And so everything was about innovating. I could I would never go and say, this is what they're doing. I'm just going to beat them. I'd go in and say, I'm not like them. I'm like this, you know, and this is the way we're going to do it. And it ends up, you know, it ended up working. I built a, a multi-million dollar business recruiting. I built a multi-million dollar business in uh, internet marketing in like 1999 when the internet was relatively new. Um, and we sold that. We, we built that to tens of millions very quickly, sold it, and then um, got into um, the uh, a very tiny little mom and pop healthcare company built that to generating over 94 million and then sold that. And everything we did had always been very unusual and we had to innovate. So what I noticed is that um, I had to hire certain types of people. You have to look and you have to put people in buckets. And I looked at people like your hand. When you look at your hand, the hand is an amazing thing. And there's snakes and, you know, birds and stuff that don't have this. We have it. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason for a thumb index. Like every, every finger has its purpose. 
So I would, I would look at people like, what finger are you, you know? Um, and everyone, there's, there's uh, the detail people, there's the big dreamers and, and generators, there's the, the hunters and the, the salespeople, you know, you just have to look at that and say, how can we get them all um, together and not just one type of person and create that sense of teamwork and really even make sure that they knew who they were. So I noticed it always, like think in your life, if you can think, was there just one person in your life that stands out that may or may not be a family member that Michael came to you and, and saw something in you and said it and then it changed your life? I mean, do you had, did you have a moment like that that I've changed been, everything? Yeah, I've been fortunate to have several people like that that has uh, impacted my, my entire career and I've had mm-hmm. Careers. I am, I'm not a one-trick pony. I've done a lot of different things in my life thus far, and I can trace back to moments of how I was able to be successful in those roles or in that career because someone believed in me or said, we think you can do this, and gave me the encouragement to, for me to be able to take that leap and, and do the things that I've been able to do. And I can't thank those people enough and it's made a huge impact on my life for sure. And that, that lesson is so important for leaders to understand when you're in a leadership position, your responsibility is to help your people figure out who they are and to empower them to be that Um, and not empower them, not, uh, not micromanage and make them you. Um, you want to really make sure, and I've always done this. Actually, I think I did it with you a little bit when we first met on LinkedIn. You know, I love the name of this, um, this show. I love the name of this effort that you have. And it's a shame that this market has made it go um, just digital for now. I'm sure you're not doing a lot of meetups or, you know, actual breakfasts right now, unfortunately, because having that physical connection is so incredibly important. Um, but it's, you know, leaders are going to have a very interesting uh, challenge at this time because they're going to have to learn how to manage a remote workforce and how to get people motivated if they don't have that energy exchange. Cause as you know, communication is much more than just what you hear. And what, you know, it's what you feel. It's micro expressions that you're soaking in. It's like when you walk down the hallway, things that you're hearing, um, all of that goes away. So it makes innovating even tougher too. So, it, you know, it's interesting to think about the fact that, again, every single one of us right now, no ma- I can't imagine there's one person that doesn't have to sit down and innovate right now. All of us have to rethink everything. And that's, if this session, I mean, like our talk right now, that's what I want people to leave with is where do I even start? How do I even think about this and get things to the next level? And I think um, one of the things that I'm fortunate enough, like I've always been in a position of being the CEO or the business owner. I'm not responsible for anyone right now. I, I have my kids are out of the house, you know, my, my husband has his own job, you know, and he's working remote. He's fine. I don't have employees. So it's different when you don't have that sense of responsibility. But if you do, you have to think about 
in a, in a positive way. How are these massive assets right now? How can we just repurpose, redesign, and tap into all of these people? So I'd say one of the best things, if you have a lot of people you're responsible to right now um, as a leader, one of the first things you should do is assign them all and tell them they can work together, they can work with friends, it doesn't matter. Assign them all to come up with 15 amazing ideas. And they can be crazy, judge-free, judgment-free. Just come up based on all the technology we have in place, based on the types of people we have in place, based on where we're located. Whatever the criteria is, just based on all of our assets right now, I want to hear 15 ideas from each one of you. And you have all of those ideas sent to you. And you decide as the leader which ones come to the table. And you bring all of those to the table and you open a discussion. And the biggest thing is to make it judgment-free because it can end up going in crazy directions. And if you try to figure this out yourself, it's not going to work as well as if you can pull everybody in. But I have to tell you that filtering has to be done through leadership. You have to filter everything down. And then lead that in that discussion about innovation and those final decisions to leadership. But that's one of the first things everyone should do because this is a huge opportunity. I, I'll give you, I'm sort of rambling on, I'm sorry, but pay attention everywhere you go. What are you seeing now? You're seeing plexiglass shields, right? When you go to the store. Do you, are you seeing stickers on the floor, like stand here, social distance? Mm-hmm. So when something like this happens, look what Tesla's doing. They're making oxygen, they're making oxygen, what they call the ventilators, right? They're a car company. They're making ventilators. So, I mean, look at all of these things that are being, um, that are number one, either being snatched up and, and, uh, and, and used because of the pandemic, but also maybe come up with something that's brilliant that everyone needs. Like it's okay for everyone to totally change who they are and not take losses because they already have computer systems, workforce. You know what I mean? It's like people are limiting their thoughts and they just want to bail out. Yeah. It's, there's so many examples of innovation and I've commented about this on it. A couple of times to, to people and on my show and whatnot. I have to give a lot of organizations a ton of credit right now because here we are, the time we're recording this is July. In March, we did not have floor stickers or plexiglass at the grocery stores or other places. Uh, we didn't have any of this stuff. And here we are just a, a few months later and all of this stuff has been implemented. Mm-hmm. People reacted quickly. It's a great risk management exercise and a disaster recovery type of thing to see how resilient so many people have been in this situation where, you know, Tesla is a great example. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to make cars right now. We're going to shift some production and we're going to make ventilators because that's what's needed right now. And whenever I tell organizations, especially the leaders of businesses that are now trying to manage a remote workforce, I tell them, okay, First, make sure your team has everything they need in order to be able to work remotely. 
with uh-huh. understanding that there's going to be some nuances around work hours and whatnot because mm-hmm. they have a family, they're sharing a computer. Oh, there's all kinds of different things. But just as equally important is reach out to your customers and ask them, what do you need from us right now? And instead of, well, we did this and did this, now find out what your customers need right now and deliver that to them. And mm-hmm. and the exercise you just gave, get everybody on the table. It's like, okay, here's 15 ideas of how we can deliver what this client or these clients are wanting from us. What are different ways we can do it uh, without having to go into the office to do it? Can we do it remotely? What do we need to figure out? And it's just literally, it, it's... It's, it's almost like a scavenger hunt in a way. I know that's mm-hmm. a weird analogy, but it, it, there's a lot of symbolism with that because everyone's going, okay, well, we got to find these pieces in order to be able to solve this riddle or this puzzle. And just keeping it you know, free form and, and just understanding that, and this is something where you see a ton of people burning out right now because they're working from home and they got all these demands. You know, the first thing is they have this expectation that they have to be perfect and they have to get everything done. Well, spoiler alert, you're not going to be able to do it all. You just mm-hmm. can't, you can't work a full-time job. And then all of a sudden you're a full-time school teacher too. And you've mm. got your partner there as well. And you're navigating all that. And your dog's looking at you saying, why are you here? I want the house back to myself again. Please go away. And you know, cat, cats do the same thing, but they just hide. You know, dogs look at you and like, why are you here? Please. That's funny. We, we can't, you know, we, we, there's really no place we can go except outside. And then we got to take you out when we go. So yeah, poor dogs need crisis intervention more than, than the humans, I think. But at the end of the day, we get to this point where we have this opportunity. And I love how you said that. It's like, this is a great opportunity for organizations of all sizes to look and say, okay, we've got this window here of being mm-hmm. able to innovate and do something better or different and don't pass up this opportunity because you and I both know this once this eases up and the pandemic is kind of beyond us and whatever the world looks like as far as work and all that stuff is set. There's going to be a lot of organizations that didn't pivot, didn't make any changes and they're going to be really upset with themselves that they didn't take the opportunity to do it. And they yeah, by or they may even go out of business and Mm -hmm. because they weren't able to be agile and figure it out and take this as an opportunity going what do we need to do i mean we see it all the time with especially the restaurants they're like well we got to set up outdoor dining depending on the municipality that they're in okay permits and all that stuff it's like all right well we got to order tables we can bring some tables out the way you have what do we do on this and where there's other restaurants that weren't able to do that because of geographic situations or whatnot. And you see four lease signs in their window. And yeah. It's, it's all over the place. So it's, it's an interesting time for sure, but you, you be innovative. You, you, you switch things up. Like in my situation, you know, I had a ton of speaking engagements that were lined up for this year. Mm-hmm. A good chunk of them have went virtual, which is amazing because yeah. I got the technology here. Everything's good. I know how to do this. So it's not a big stretch for me at all. I know for other speakers, it's been a huge hurdle for them. And a lot of them you know, have you know, lost some significant revenue because they're just not working. For me, it's like, I know that for the foreseeable future, this is what it's going to be. Now, mm-hmm. When people go back on stages again, when this is all eased up, 
then you know, I talked to event planners. I said, don't turn off the lights on the virtual option. I said, you've created yeah. a new revenue stream for yourself. You can, instead of having one big event, you could have your one big event and you can have smaller virtual events throughout the year or combine them up. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the base is going to increase because you're creating more content for your, your audience, whomever it is. And they want it because they, they spend a lot of money to go to these conferences. So if there's things that are going to make their jobs easier, give it to them. And again, that's the seeking, you know, what does your clients need right now? And I, I tell people, don't forget that lesson because when this is all said and done, we go back to whatever work looks like. That should always be the question. What do your clients need right now? And work on mm-hmm. that. It shouldn't revolve a pandemic in order for us to ask that question. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And there's massive blessings behind everything going virtual. Um, the, you know, what's interesting to me is that you have a much deeper electronic connection to people, which is incredibly valuable. How many times have you been walking around a convention center or you're speaking on stage and you're looking at people and you wish you knew who they were and what they did, right? So in the virtual world, it's really nice to be able to look at a face and I see your name next to your face right now, like right now. So it's uh, there are things you can do virtually online with these conferences and, and twist your marketing. So you're saying, if anything, you're going to have a deeper, better connection because you're going to see faces, you're going to see names, you can click on the name, you can see their bio, you can connect with them and see if they want to meet. This is so much more valuable than walking around a convention center. So a lot of it really has to do with mindset and marketing communications and how you're positioning these. Because I see so many of these virtual conferences um, just being boring with their marketing, just being ordinary. Like, what's the pull? I, I don't see the pull. So if people can think about that, how can this be special and different and get people to come in because you're going to have a better, different kind of connection than you'd ever experienced. And then the host is going to make more money because they don't have to buy food and hotel rooms and, you know, and travel. And they, they're just being able to push buttons and get this done. So if they can invest the money that they were going to invest in food and take a fraction of that and just give a technology company a chance, like implement some really cool new technologies, this is the time. And this is what I mean. You can either just fall apart and cancel everything or keep it going, but make it special. Don't just keep it going and watch people. Like, how do I get this online? Look for who's doing it really cool. How can I do this? Like, call Gary B or someone out there. Like, you know, call someone who's got an edge on the market. Um, and and find out how you can do this, you know, better and different. And because I'm excited to see where the world goes, I really am interested to see where things go. And I, I know we'll get our personal touches back, but it'll be really nice to get to that point where we can have lives where we're not traveling as much, that we can knock out just as much by pushing a button and uh, doing something special in the interaction where it adds another, you know, I'm going to call it a sixth sense, um, where it adds something to it somehow. We don't even know what that is yet. 
Um, it hasn't been invented yet, but we've got to be able to um, to do. Uh, I'm going to say there's. I I am almost going to embarrass myself saying this, but when um, when we we founded this company called E Marketing back in 1999, I was telling you about it, it was one of the first digital agencies in the country, and um, it ended up going like gangbusters. At that time, the internet was new, like technology was new in that whole arena. We were, we were turning toward the pornography industry to see what they were doing and implementing a lot of those things for our clients, and we looked like rock stars. So there's always a market that's got something going on that's taken things to the next level that we haven't even adopted yet. It's out there already. So I always recommend that. And the other thing that I was thinking about, um, I almost didn't want to say anything, but I will. Um, there's a very good friend of mine who's a lawyer and who's been a CEO. I've been a CEO and an operator, and she's the same. Like We've bought, brought things to high tens of millions, hundreds of millions, and sold things. Um, and she's just incredible. Um, we live in an area of Arizona near uh, Paradise Valley. There is so much money. In Paradise Valley, you walk around, you're going to see one palatial estate after another um, all over Arizona and the greater Phoenix area. And, um, and I'm also, I'm, I'm combining that thought with um, my nieces and nephews who are all millennials and my kids. Um, they're all between 30 and 45. They're all like this whole situation my son just graduated, summa cum laude, finance degree, data analytics, international business. Um, he loves doing um, uh, market analysis, equity research on investments. It, he can't find a job. Like, the market's died, right? There's nothing. Um, and he's a superstar. And then, you know, my daughter's moving out to Brooklyn. She planned this several months ago. This is like the world, what it looks like. Um, Arizona's a mess with COVID right now. Like horrible, horrible, thousands and thousands of cases every day. When now New York is down to like 500 a day, right? So, and that's good, I guess. It's all relative. So now she's going back to Brooklyn and everyone's like in this mode of trying to refigure out what's next. So Carol and I came up with a concept, a method called Peak Forward. And it's a series of deliberate questions that someone, it's 52 questions that you ask yourself and you ask others even in a social situation. So it can be in a corporate environment or can be alone with your family, whatever. And it really gets you down to who are you? What motivates you? What, what do you consider fun? Like, what do you really want to do? And it, by the end of the entire, the way the questions are asked, by the end of it, you're almost like, what have I been doing? You know, I'm the author of this book. This is my book. I'm the author. I'm going to write my next chapter. I'm not going to get stuck in it. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to fire these friends and hang out with these guys. You know, it's like it just gets, it lights you on fire and really clarifies things. So you either make some big shifts in your life with clarity and you feel good about it. Just like if I came to you, Michael, and said, I love what you're doing here. Stop everything and put your all into this because this is it. This is your happy place. Just do it. 
you know, that there's something about that that lights you on fire and increases your ability to succeed in that lane because you got that fire in your belly, you got clarity, and you just know it. You're living like God's talking to you. And and that's your that's your plan, right? So if you're if you go through this process, you work for a company, it significantly improves your productivity and excitement about where you are and what you're doing. Because then you go, what am I doing? I should be really happy to have this job. I should be leveraging this. I love these guys. I should stop hanging out with those ones and and shoot for this department. Like it just gets you thinking and producing a different way, saving money, learning how to save your money, learning your own risk tolerance. Um, So you're not feeling that, that underlying frustration with cash. Some people will earn a lot of cash and still be miserable. So I feel like I'm rambling on, but that's what Peak Forward's all about. And it's going to be a structured way of someone being able to just go through a series of questions and get lit on fire for this next chapter. And that's great. Whew, that was a lot. Sorry, I'm, no, I, no, I'm rambling. That's, that's, that's great stuff because I think you know, talking about what we did a few minutes ago, this is the time to innovate. That's not just with companies, that's with individuals and figuring out what do we want out of life? Because we're, we're in control of it. And a lot of people, for some reason, delegate that control. Mm -hmm. It's our life. We can do these amazing things. And this is a perfect time for us to, to take a look at this. I'm definitely going to have to have you on again, because there's like 18,000 things we could talk about. uh, And, um, I'm getting a ton of value out of this, but um, where can people find out more about you and all of this amazing stuff that you're doing right now? Um, a couple of things. I would say Apex Outcomes. Um, you can just email or just go to Apex Outcomes and the communications end up coming to me. They get filtered through, but they end up coming to me. Um, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. So it's, uh, I don't know if you can see the spelling of my name or if you'll have it posted, but it's just Erica with a K Feinberg um, on LinkedIn. Please reach out and connect. And um, another, I, I have a little bit of an ask and a little bit of a gift. I would love you, your audience, whoever, to please go to Peak Forward. Um, it's P-E-E-K forward.com. It's in the infancy stages. I just created, I just designed the first couple of pages of the website. Um, I'm going in a specific direction with it. And I love ideas, whatever it is. And if so, I can send you a book, my purpose, passion, and profit book for free. I'll just send it to you. And that's been a, a top selling book since July of 2018. It's still a top selling book. So it's a really good book. And it, it, it really coaches you on how to, uh, my chapter, I would say, is the ultimate chapter about that concept of faking it till you make it. It's about getting out of your head and becoming that next layer, that next level you with, with joy, you know, just being able to soar through it and get it done. So I, that was, again, another long answer, but I really look forward to reconnecting with you, Michael. And hopefully in Toronto, I want to come up to Toronto or San Diego. I like both. (laughs) As soon as I can get my butt back to San Diego, it's a little bit of a shorter flight uh, or even a drive um, to to your area as well. But, you know, I I appreciate you and I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. And, you know, 
we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch and, and communicate a little bit more frequently than we've had because I'm with you. I, I love LinkedIn. Uh, the connections I've made in, in life have uh, been earth-shattering good uh, to me and, and what I'm doing and, and the impact that I have just because uh, everybody on that network uh, is is one of just giving and, and, and asking for things and it's it clears out the clutter and you know it's all from for me i I find it a lot more valuable to spend my time than that other social media app that rhymes with facebook so and what you're um, doing is what you're doing is beautiful it's wonderful it really is and it your audience the linkedin audience is a perfect audience for it too and it's it's time to oh i should mention anyone in arizona if you or your kids anyone you know you're out of work and you have experience in service, in, in luxury service, and um, want to consider trying out some senior in-home care in estates. It's a little bit of estate management, but it's helping senior citizens who've done extremely well, so it's more concierge care. One of my favorite clients is The Perfect Companion, and they're based in the greater Phoenix area. They serve the, the very nice high-end market. Um, I really love to hear from all of you. Um, and that's, uh, you can uh, email careers at azperfectcompanion.com and, um, or go to the website and look at careers. And they're training people with no experience because they noticed if someone has the right attitude, they feel so fulfilled and excited and they give better service. So. I hope you appreciate that. I, I feel sorry for anyone who's not working right now. We want to get everyone on, on payroll. <laughs> we can. Oh, I know. Absolutely. I'm the same. Yeah. So thank you for that. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes as well. So Erica, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you and, and looking forward to our future conversations. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michael. It was nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.